Well, it's always exciting to be here and see what uh, God is doing up here in Chico and with one, one of my sons. I've got sons doing things like this on different places around the world, and it's just always such a joy to see how God's using them and kind of working in many of your, your, in your, you guys' lives. Um, today, we're going, to, uh, we're going to be looking at a story uh, in John chapter 4. I'm not going to read the whole story because it's long, but we'll dip into it a lot. But it's, it's a time when Jesus... Um, took his first five disciples that he kind of won to himself in John chapter 1. He took them on a trip to um, um, Judea. I'm getting down to Jerusalem and Judea. And then on the way back, they stopped through uh, Samaria, a place called Sychar. And it was a long walk. They walked, and he was tired. He was sitting by a well. The guys had gone in to get hamburgers at the uh, up in Sychar. And... Um, and so they were gone, but then a woman came up, and Jesus started a conversation with her, got into, of course, made some great promises to her. We'll see some of those in a little while. And, and one of the things that we're going to see about this woman is that she had been used by other men in the city. You'll see the, uh, the, the passage um, there. It talks about Jesus is talking to her. and says, um, you have had five husbands, and you aren't married to the man you're living with now, certainly you've told the truth, because she had just said that she didn't have a husband. He said, yeah, you had five, and you're not living, you're living with somebody else right now. And um, it's, it's kind of the idea, this message will be about going from being used by others to being useful to God, from being a victim to becoming a victor. God is, a, God is great about turnarounds. He takes a life, and they're going in different directions, maybe hurt and used by others. And the thing we, we find in life is when we're, we're hurt by others, when people are hurt by others, they tend to turn around and then hurt other people. When we get used, we tend to go and then we turn around and we use and we hurt others. But God doesn't want that, of course. And so we're going to be looking at how God worked in her life and how to go from, from, from being hurt to being helpful. Or if, and if you have been hurting others or using others in negative kind of ways, how you can take that and you can turn that around and become very useful uh, in your life. So we'll be looking at that. Uh, the woman herself, of course, she was being used by this man to gratify their natural desires with her. She was, might be using them, too, to, maybe to get support and maybe using that to find fulfillment just in those relationships. So it probably was a two-way street. But uh, she, was, she was lonely. She came to the well at lunch because... Usually the women would go to the well to get the water together. You know, the women like to go everywhere together. I mean, they even go to the bathroom together. I don't know. But, you know, you just, they do everything together. But, but she didn't go with any other women. She went by herself in the heat of the day rather than early in the morning when people go when it's cooler to get to water. Right? It makes sense because she was probably rejected by most of the other women in the city. The men liked her. Women, not so much. Uh, but uh, the, and so she was there. She was probably, and, and Jesus struck up a conversation with her, and uh, uh, the question I would start with you, and just you thinking about it, is that have you ever been used by others for their gratification or for their glory? Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to tell with myself. Before I was a believer, uh, there was a man in college. I was a must uh, my guess my end of my my freshman year and going to my sophomore year. I wasn't a Christian yet, and. Uh, I met a man, a, a man, a, a college guy. I guess he's a man, uh, and uh, 
his name was Rick. He was from California, and he was a cool guy. I was from a farm in Ohio, not so cool. He was from L.A., and he was a cool guy. And I was just, he, I kind of looked up to him and kind of admired him. He was on the track team, too. I was on the track team there, and uh, he was, I looked up to him. But this guy was not very good, and he sort of used me to get glory. I, he got me to follow him. I followed him into drugs. I followed him into doing stuff where we, he would take, take us out and we'd just go and we'd just look for girls. And if they were with guys, we'd pick the fights with guys and beat up the guys so we can try to get the girls. Stuff like that. I mean, just not cool stuff. But I, I, was, kind of, I was kind of going along. And, you know, we had the reputation. He, I was following him. But we had the reputation of being the wild guys on campus. And that kind of gave us this glory that we're the, you know, we do the weird, the wild stuff and those kind of things. And so this was, this was going on. And just to give you a little hint about this fellow, one of the things, I didn't do this with him, though. I'm kind of glad I didn't go quite this far. He used to go and run around and get into backyards of people's yards. And then when the dogs would come to get him, he would deliberately, he knew how to do this, he would deliberately kick the dogs in the side and kill them. And then he'd run to the next yard and do the same thing. I mean, this is the kind of guy I was, I was running around with. And I was, you know, it wasn't a pretty picture. But, but, people, but he, he did that because he got glory out of me following him. And he had others that were doing that too. People do this kind of thing a lot. They, 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 they use other people to get something for themselves. And oftentimes that hurts the person that's following. It oftentimes hurts other people in life as you go through that. And so you want to be thinking about... Uh, who you've been used, used by in the past. Uh, maybe it's a past boyfriend, girlfriend. Maybe it's somebody you followed in high school that, that, uh, that did some things. Maybe other kinds of ways that people face these negative kind of things. But we, we, we have to face it that people without Christ, actually, we still have this in ourselves too as believers and when we're believers, we are dealing with selfishness. We're dealing with thinking about ourselves. And we're thinking about what's going on, what's in it for us. Uh, there's a, a, couple, a secular writer uh, in San Diego. She uh, works at San Diego State University. She wrote, wrote a couple of books. I think we're going to show the pictures of these books up here. Uh, one is called Generation Me. I don't know if you read that book. Pretty interesting book. Uh, and the other one's called uh, The Narcissism e- Epidemic. But she goes into the, the, the fact that people tend to really be in life for themselves, not caring about what others think, not thinking about the implications of that on other people, and not thinking about themselves. And it's just, it's, 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 it's hard. And we've got to realize that, that people around you are going to probably take advantage of you. You have probably, everybody in this room has been taken advantage of and been used somehow in the past and been hurt. You've got, from your side, at that point, you've got to learn to forgive them. That's part of our issue, and we'll look at this kind of stuff, but you also have to learn to come to Christ so he can take where you have been hurt, and he can take that, and he can make a transformation of your heart to help you to be different, so you can actually now be helpful to others, be useful to God, and God will give you gifts and abilities. Some of the promises that he'll make to this woman is that it can be like, like living water coming into your life. Christ can fill you with something that'll flow through you to help others. And this is, this is where real fulfillment comes in life. Fulfillment in life doesn't come from just getting things from others or even just getting things from God. It comes from 
when you get things from God, then you let it flow through you to others. And when you love others and you care for others, that's how we get filled up. That's how we stay filled up. And that's why it's water that doesn't run dry, as we would look at those kinds of things. And um, so that's sort of the, the negative side of what we're going to do. I'm a little depressing here. I'm talking about that. And some of you are kind of going, oh, man, you bring up some of those things. Now I'm thinking I'm all mad at that person who did this to me and that kind of. So I'll try to get over that and get to the positive side now uh, on looking at it. It says, uh, how did this woman become useful? <coughs> and we'll see. Once she got the message from Jesus and she came to Jesus, kind of decided to believe in him, we'll see there in that verse in John 4, 28, what she did. Uh, the woman left her water jar beside the well and ran. This is, she just walked, she ran back to the village, telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. We'll see a little later on, as it goes on in the passage, the, a little more description of what happened. Uh, in verse 39, it says, Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because of what the woman said. He told me everything I ever did. Um, uh, when they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for them two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, Now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves, now we know that he is indeed the Savior of the world. But notice she was the starting point. Her simple testimony, a brand new believer just from the hard life that she had been through and all the hurt she had been through and all the ways she would hurt others. And she was changed. And right away, God could begin to use her and draw people. And her simple testimony of what he did in her life a simple testimony of, of a, an invitation, come and see for yourself. Don't just take my word, come and see for yourself. This is a great thing you can have here, a challenge. You can tell your college students, just come and see. I've been a part of this group on campus. It's made a difference in my life. I've come to Christ or I've recommitted my life to Christ. I'm growing now like I've never grown. I'm, I'm, I'm finding my life can be useful and have purpose. And you may not totally be into that, but just come and see. Come and check it out. You know, and you might, they might ask you questions about, what about this, what about that? You, don't, you can be like the blind man Jesus healed in John chapter 9. He says, you know, I don't know anything about him, but I knew one thing. I was blind, but now I see. I mean, there's been something that happened in my life. There's been a change. So that invitation to come and see is just, is just such a powerful thing and something that we can all be a part of it. Now, we think about, well, how is this transformation of this woman possible how did it happen well it's it's what i would call the miracle of the new covenant the miracle of the new covenant is that god himself comes to live inside of a human being he sends his spirit to live inside of you and he actually gives you a new nature doesn't make you totally perfect but he puts something totally perfect in you it's called the holy spirit and that creates a new self, a new identity, a new who you are. Jesus, uh, uh, Paul called it the new self, sometimes a new nature. And it's the spirit within us. And God wants to do that with every person. So no matter what you have been through in the past, 
how you've been hurt or how you've hurt others. He can give you a new nature, a nature that's love and is gracious and wants to serve and wants to give itself away to others, that he flows through you to benefit others, which that in turn is what benefits you as he is working in your life. She, he makes this promise to her. You'll see it there in the passage uh, where uh, he says um, he was talking about the, the, the water. He'd actually ask her for a drink of water, and then he kind of wet her appetite in a sense, or thirst in a sense. He says, well, I have water that, that if I get, got this water, you'd never thirst again. And so that he, he says this to her. He says, Jesus replied as he was talking to her. He says um, in verse 13 and 14, Anyone who drinks of this water, the water that she had, just brought from the well, will, um, will become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. You see, the Spirit, when it comes within us, it's, it's, it is for us, but it's not just for us. It's for us that it comes and then it bubbles out of us and spills out and benefits those who are around us. He said something very similar to this uh, on the day of the feast uh, there in John 7, 37. He says, on the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, anyone, he could be saying that to you, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink, for the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. Isn't that a great promise? That's the spirit. That's the new covenant. That's God within us, changing us and then using us, then overflowing out of our lives and making a difference in the lives of people around us. God wants us to do that in your life, and he wants to wants you to come to him. He wants you to ask him to forgive you. If you have been hurt, you've probably dealt, you're probably still dealing with some unforgiveness, maybe bitterness of those past things. He wants to help you. He wants to forgive you for the bitterness, and he wants to help you to forgive the others and to make that choice. And you might not emotionally feel like forgiving somebody. You may have been hurt really, really bad in your life, and that's not going to be something you're just going to, get all those feelings with, but you can make choices and your life can actually begin to turn around. The Holy Spirit can come in. He can begin to start making a huge difference in your life. You see, the Christian life is more than just being around Christian people, going to church and being around nice people and learning to do the ways of Jesus and doing better things in our life. It's a lot more than that. That's important. It's important to have encouragement, to have people outside to help you and encourage you. But the big part of the Christian life is something that's internal. It's Christ himself coming in and doing something in your heart, changing something at the depth of your being. Then when that happens, when that trans... Jesus makes the statement, like being born again. When that happens, then all the other Christian stuff, reading the Bible and praying and memorizing verses and having Christian friends and the fellowship and all the other stuff you can do all makes sense and all feeds that that change that has happened at the core of your, of your life. And so I would, I would encourage you on that. There's a, when I was a young Christian, I did a, a Bible study on the word grace. I would encourage you to do it sometime. Just get a concordance out 
and uh, look up the word grace. Look up all the verses on grace and write them down and that kind of stuff. But out of that, uh, this verse really meant a lot to me. It's in Ephesians 2, uh, 8 through 10. It says, God saved you by his grace. That, that word saved is an important word. That means he rescued you. He set you free. He delivered you. He saved you from the flames. He saved you from sin. He saved you from, really, self and that selfishness we talked about, from being generation me. <laughs> uh, and he helps it be uh, uh, that. But anyway, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift of God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. The, the word there is like we are, are what God is working on. He's working on He's making us into something beautiful. From something that wasn't so beautiful to something, something, something useful, something helpful, something important. But we are his masterpiece. Uh, he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do good things that he planned for us long ago. Actually, in some translations, from the foundations of the earth, he has plans for you. Plans to give you gifts and abilities, which if you're a believer, you already have those gifts and abilities. And plans to use those in significant ways to make the difference in the lives of other people around you. And we will find that um, as a wonderful thing. And I like to think about this whole thing. It's, it's, it's like God's grace is like a, like a river. It's like a stream. It's always kind of flowing. It's always kind of just going just above us. And if we want to get into God's grace stream, we need to have a one basic attitude. And that's the attitude of humility. Faith is going to come as a part of it, but humility is a starting place. We've got to come, we've got to say, God, I need you. I need you to do something in my life. And as soon as you, 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 you come to him with a humble heart, you begin to enter into that grace stream. God, he says it. God gives grace to the humble. But he opposes the proud. I'll tell you one thing you, want, you don't want to do. You don't want God to oppose you. You don't want God to get in a three-point stance across from you in a football line and say, I'm going to take you down. <laughs> you, you, don't, you don't want that happening. Uh, you, 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 want, you want the grace of God working in your life and not God opposing you. And that's the starting place. And once you, once you humbly come to Christ, just the best you know how. Some of you don't know, under, understand most of the stuff or some of the stuff we're talking about here maybe. Maybe you're new to Christianity and maybe you're new to the Bible. But God sees your heart and he knows in your heart if you're just willing to, God, I don't understand all this, but, but I want you. I need you. I need something in my life. I want to start searching for this. And you, you humble yourself and you come to him the best you know how. Then he's going he's gonna to open up He's going to turn on some lights in your mind. He's going to teach you some stuff. And you're going to be able to, from what he teaches, you're going to be able to exercise faith. That faith is going to save you. It's going to get the Holy Spirit to come in you. And then he's going to start working on you. And he works on you and changes you so that you can do those good deeds that he has planned for you from the foundation of the earth. It's a, it's a beautiful system that he has. And all that we do as Christians, the beautiful thing about it, everything we do that's good we can't take credit for it. It's all by the grace of God. We don't get proud I'm better than you. It's, it's all by the grace of God as we, as we do this. So it becomes, uh, uh, Christianity is just a wonderful thing because of that. It's so different than any other world religion. 
is because it's all by grace, through faith, God working and then through it, and then he gets all the credit and all the glory for what happens in this process. So um, the other gospel writers uh, tell about another story. I just want to tell it real quickly. Uh, there was another guy who was uh, being used by the Roman government, and he was being used as a tax gatherer uh, by the uh, Roman government. And he probably, if he was like the other tax gatherers, he probably used the Jewish citizens as well in the sense that, that he was probably taking a little extra taxes and padding his pocket with that. And so he was rejected, and he was, he was being used, and he was using, and he was in this kind of stuff. And then Jesus called him to start following him. But he became useful right away. You know what he did? First thing he did is he went out, he got all of his tax gathering buddy friends, and he threw a party. And at the party that he threw, he invited Jesus and some of his disciples and then all of his buddies. And in that situation, it became a place where people began to meet Christ. And people began to be healed and helped and grown. And I would just encourage you, maybe you're a new believer, maybe you're not such a new believer, but this is one thing challenge is good at is having parties, right? You have a lot of stuff. It's a whole good group. You do all that kind of fun stuff. You walk around like zombies and do all kind of weird things. But um, so that, that's fun. But, but this, this is more than I'm talking about here. I'm talking about using an individual. Just throw a party for your non-believing friends. Just do, do something. And just if dozens of you could just kind of do that and then invite a couple Christians to come in with you. And, 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 and it's amazing what God could do in opening it up. But parties with a purpose. You don't have to preach at them at the party, but have the party. Bring some Christians there to meet each other like that. Show them how to make the next step. Tell them about challenge. They've met a couple people here. And it would be amazing if dozens of you began to just have these spontaneous parties all around on campus. Little one-off things here and there, inviting your friends, inviting a few Christians, and just kind of making that happen and and seeing what what God might do with that. Uh, But Levi did that, and God used that in a tremendous kind of way for him. So... How do you become useful? Well, that's a, there's one suggestion here. Throw some parties for your friends that may not know Christ yet. And uh, that could be helpful. And some of you are really gifted at that. And others of you, that might not be your gifting, but, but your gifting could be to help that person throw the party and to help them put it on and to do some of the things behind the scenes. Some of you have serving gifts. Some of you have inviting gifts. Some of you have other kinds of gifts. But find those uh, uh, and, and do that. So um, the passage there in... Uh, John 4, 37 through 39, kind of shows how we have different gifts. We're all, all doing the same things. Uh, Jesus made the statement. He says, uh, you know the saying, one plants and another harvests. See, there's two different roles here. Some plant, some cultivate, some get the ground ready and plant the seeds. And somebody late, other comes in later and harvests the seed, harvests the, what's, what's been planted. Um, it is true, I, I say to you, um, to harvest where you didn't plant. He's talking to those five guys, which he was training to be church planters, the first five disciples, and you're going to be harvesters. But others have done some work. Now you've got to build upon the work that they've done. Others have already done the work, and now you get to gather in the harvest. So we all, the point Jesus is making here is that we all have different gifts, different callings, different spiritual gifts, and we need to use that. The woman, in this case, she had some pretty potent evangelistic gifts. And she got a lot of people to come to you. 
But there's other people that Jesus healed. Oh, there's a scripture there about that, that Simon Peter's mother-in-law, she was healed, and the first thing she did, she went and cooked a meal. <laughs> she served. She did some behind-the-scenes stuff. And, but it's all for the glory of God. It's all for the big one purpose of the Great Commission being fulfilled in the world. And we just need to do that. There's a lot of teaching in the New Testament about those kinds of things, and about the spiritual gifts. And what I encourage you to, you to do is to, is to discover your gift, develop your gift, and deploy it. Find out what it is. Do work on that area. Hone it. And then put it into practice. Do stuff. Start serving. Start giving. Start helping. Start finding out where you can fit in this grand scheme that God has uh, and God is working uh, in the world with you. Um, there, the next thing, I, I want to go to a little a section about what, what did Jesus do? You know, this is the thing about Jesus. So how did he go about it? I'm going to talk about three real brief things. You'll have to read the whole passage to see how more of what he did here. But um, number one, the first thing he did is that he went to met in dialogue with this woman. And I, I want to say this about, about Jesus. When you look at what Jesus did, this is what he did while he was on earth in his one body. And he had all the gifts and he could do about everything, right? But now he works, it's rather than everybody having to be just like him and do all the things he does, he works through bodies of Christ, communities of faith, and gives different ones of his gifts, and we all work together to accomplish the same kind of things that he did. Does that make sense? So, you don't, so when you read this about that, you don't mean you have to do everything exactly like Jesus did, but you need to do different things that you as a body do all the kinds of things that Jesus did. And that, that helps, and I think God does that also, just to kind of keep us humble. It's not all just about us and what we do. It's, it's what we do. We go from me to we in this process. But, but he met them, and out of love... Uh, he always was going to the hurting person, always caring for them, stepping out to them, making a difference uh, in their lives. Um, I, I'll just real quickly just to skip through a few things here. Uh, when I was a young believer, uh, this is something you can do. It's kind of what Jesus did. Is I was in the cafeteria. I, was at the University, I went to the University of Florida. And uh, I noticed that there was a guy also on the training table eating there on a thing, and he was by himself. He was alone, and he looked depressed because he was depressed. Uh, he'd come, he'd been a, a really star athlete in high school, all of a sudden came to college at the University of Florida, and he's not the big star now. He's barely making the team, and he actually got hurt, and he was depressed. Got, but nobody was sitting, he was sitting by himself, nobody there. So I just sat down next to him, just struck up a conversation, just got to know him in that situation. He seemed to appreciate that, went in, and you know, I was pretty young Christian, pretty excited about my faith, and so I got into my sharing my testimony that Christ had changed so much in my life already, and got into sharing the gospel pretty fast with him. I think I'm not sure how long it was. It was a long time ago. I'm old, but um, but he 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 within a week or so he accepted Christ, and and I began to meet with him a couple times. I didn't know too much about follow up, but but I, I met with him a couple times and helped him get started in his faith. Found out later that he continued on with the Lord, and he became a pastor back in Michigan. He'd been a pastor all these years, and leading churches and stuff like that. The name is Dave Morton. It's kind of a neat, 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 neat situation. But it all started with just finding a lonely person and going to have a conversation with him and talking with him. And that's something all of you can do. You can look for people. You can look in the cafeteria or even at this challenge meeting. Afterwards, look around. Maybe there's some people nobody's talking to. Instead of talking to your best buddies, 
Why not go talk to them? Why not go introduce yourself to them and, and then introduce them to somebody else? Help them to make friends. Help them to connect. That's something we can all do those kind of things. Be that kind of hospitality kind of person. To love the stranger. To love the person that's... And there are a lot of lonely people in this world. I mean, there's lonely people sitting in this room. I tell you. And, and, and they don't have to be. You can, you can go to them. You can bring them in. Help them meet Christ. Help them meet other people that are going to help them and encourage them and help their lives. So just would encourage you. Jesus was great at that. Uh, another thing he did, he shared the gospel with her. This, and it, I won't go through all the details of that, but you'll see that the, the message was there. Uh, and he talked about that water, gave that great promise of the Spirit coming into her life, giving her living water. He explained to her that he was the Messiah. She came away believing he was the Messiah. And that was made the difference in her life. It's the, it's the gospel. It's, it's the message of Jesus Christ. Dying on the cross, rising again. He didn't go through all the details, at least we don't have recorded here, of what he said on all that. But the gospel is the power of God to salvation. It's what brings that new covenant into place. When you really believe that he, he was God himself, came to earth, died on the cross, rose again, and alive today to be able to come inside of us and to make that river of living water begin to occur in our own lives. A, th- a third thing about Jesus is that he sacrificed for his cause. Of course, he went to the cross, which is the ultimate sacrifice. But even before he went to the cross, he sacrificed in practical, down-to-earth kinds of ways. Um, look there in verse 31. It says, uh, but, he, but uh, they came back with the food. You know, they'd gotten, they'd been to In-N-Out, and they, they, brought, the, they brought the stuff back. And they said, uh, but, he, but he said to them when they tried to get him to eat, he says, I have food to eat that you don't know anything about. And they're wondering, you know, they're still thinking physical food. Of course, that's the way most of us think all the time. Um, and he said, they were college students, I think. Um, uh, uh, did someone bring him food while we were gone? Uh, the disciples asked each other, but Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. There's a fulfillment and a joy that comes only through that. Not that you don't eat. You still eat. Jesus ate. He got hungry. He got tired. He had sips of well because he was tired. He went through the physical thing we, we go through. But, the, but he, did, he did miss a few meals. I mean, he missed enough meals that his parents, probably mama, uh, got upset with him. And mama didn't like it. He wasn't getting three squares. You can see that in the, in, in the next verse there in uh, uh, Mark 3. 3 it says, uh, and uh, then he went home, and the crowd gathered again. He's going to go home to get some rest and probably get a meal, because Mary had just cooked up some good stuff. And he's probably, he probably did that. Um, so, so, so the, he, uh, but the crowd gathered again when he went home to rest, so that they did not, not even eat. When his family heard what was happening, he's missing another meal, they tried to take him away. He's out of his mind, they said. You're talking about, you know, they say, we don't get this, Jesus. This is, this is crazy love. This is, this is the kind of thing. You're, you're, you're giving, you're serving, you're missing meals in order to serve others and to help others and to minister to people and to give your life away and you let it flow through. But he, all along, he's saying, yeah, you guys don't understand. I have a nourishment. I have a food you know nothing about. I have a river of living water. Yeah, I'm giving out. But the more I give out, the more God gives to me. He was showing us something. We get so protective of ourselves and 
and our time and our energy and all that we don't give. But it's in the giving that you get. That's just the way God works. And, and if you want to receive from God his fullness, then risk the giving. Risk the serving. Um, there's a passage in John 12 as we begin to wrap this up. John 12, 24 uh, to 26. He says, I tell you the truth. And whenever Jesus said that, he's saying, listen up, guys. Truly, truly, I say to you, I tell you the truth. Focus in on this. It's important. He says, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels. Uh, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Those who, uh, those who love their lives in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their lives in this world will keep it for eternity. Anyone who wants to serve me must follow me. Because my servants must be where I am. And where is he? Jesus is always serving. If you want to be where Jesus is, start serving. Start giving. Start laying your life down for others. That's where he's at. You want to be with him? Join him. And that's kind of what he's saying here, I think. Uh, and the Father will honor anyone who serves me. Now, some of you are going home for Thanksgiving this week, probably. Um, typical thing uh, when college students go home for Thanksgiving, uh, they turn they revert back to being little boys and little girls. And they let mama and daddy take care of them like little kings and queens. Anybody? Anybody? Now, I had four sons that never did anything like that. They just went back and they just served like crazy, picked them after their brothers and did all that. Now, that's, that's Paul for sure. Uh, 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 but, 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 but anyway, how many of you just... Curiosity, you don't have to all raise your hand, but in your, in your mind or in your heart, raise your hand. How many of you have mothers or fathers or brothers and sisters that you'd like to see come closer to Christ when you go back? Okay, well, what if this year, instead of you going back and expecting everybody to serve you, you went back and actually did the dishes without anybody asking you to do dishes? What if you actually picked up after yourself instead of leaving your Coke cans all over the house for mama to pick up? What if you were different? What if you came back and actually went way out of line and actually picked up after your brother and sister? Now, wouldn't that be radical? What, 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 if you, what if you went back and not just you talking about Jesus and going to this cool Christian club, what if you started acting like Jesus? What if you actually started serving and laying your life down for your family, acting different. What kind of impact would that make on a mom or dad? Whoa. Christmas break? Yeah, go, man. That helps that kid out. Go on that Christmas cum break <laughs> kind of thing. Because uh, they, they will, they see some ch change. What they're going to look for is the practical things in life. They're going to see if this is making a difference in, in real life situations. And you can do this. I'm not talking about radical big things. I'm not talking about going across the world and being a missionary over there. I'm talking about picking up after yourself. <laughs> we, had, we had a saying. Our guys were, were, were <laughs> this is radical, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We know it's radical. Uh, we had a little saying in our house. When they, when they do something that, that we didn't ask them to do, we have 
for out telling. Well, you didn't tell us to do it. You had to do it. And that was a big deal that they did something when we didn't have to. We didn't tell them first that they had to do it. Uh, but this could be a, how, how do we say that? For out asking. I think that was the way they said it <laughs> as they were learning that. That was, I don't know what it is. That probably was college, Diane. <laughs> uh, but, 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 you, but you see, this, this is, this is, the, this is the kind of, this is the real radical stuff that makes the difference in the world. When you start to be a servant, what about your roommates? Ah, serving your roommates. What about your teammates? What about those kind of things? What about you instead of going out for what's in it for me and looking for yourself all the time, what if you begin to look out for others? You're going to think of, what would I want others to do for me? Maybe that's a clue of what I'm going to do for them. Jesus said something like that one time. <laughs> is that, is that those, those become... Uh, key aspects to this whole thing. I think we're, we're running out of time, but I just want to, I, I want to look at one more passage. It's in uh, 2 Timothy 2, 21 and 22. It says, uh, if you keep yourself pure, you will be a special vessel for honorable use. And this is what you want, to be used by God. Your life will be clean and you'll be ready for the master to use you for every good work. Run from anything that stimulates youthful lusts. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. And enjoy the companionship of those who call upon the Lord with pure hearts. You'll need that encouragement. You'll get your life right that God can use you. You get usable, God will use you. You'll see things happen. You'll see God work in your life in that kind of stuff. Now, it may look quite different. People, other, some people might think you're kind of crazy for what you're doing. But if you keep doing it, others will see it. And they'll know it's different. And they'll begin to join in. This is how movements start. We're going to show a little video now. It takes about three minutes. I'm, I know I'm kind of running a little late. But I think you'll enjoy this video enough that uh, it's worth the three minutes. So let's, let's go ahead and show this video. It's called The Leadership Lessons of the dancing guy. How many of you ever seen this? It's been all over. No, no, nobody's, I'm glad I'm showing you this. Is, this, is, this, was, this was seen on YouTube by, it was a true thing that happened. They, they did leadership lessons of what this guy did. It's been seen by 1.5 million people or something like that. It's pretty, pretty cool. But uh, go ahead and show it. Keep it nice and loud so people can hear it. And I'll talk just a little bit about it. Everybody gets done. If you've learned a lot about leadership and making a movement, then let's watch a movement happen start to finish in under three minutes and dissect some lessons. First, of course, a leader needs the guts to stand alone and look ridiculous. But what he's doing is so simple, it's almost instructional. This is key. You must be easy to follow. Now here comes the first follower with a crucial role. He publicly shows everyone else how to follow. Notice how the leader embraces him as an equal. So it's not about the leader anymore, it's about them, plural. Notice how he's calling to his friends to join in. So it takes guts to be a first follower. You stand out and you brave ridicule yourself. Being a first follower is an underappreciated form of leadership. The first follower transforms a lone nut into a leader. If the leader is the flint, the first follower is the spark that really makes the fire. Now here's the second follower. This is a turning point. It's proof the first has done well. Now it's not a lone nut, and it's not two nuts. Three is a crowd, and a crowd is news. A movement must be public. 
Make sure outsiders see more than just the leader. Everyone needs to see the followers, because new followers emulate followers, not the leader. Now here come two more people, then three more immediately. Now we've got momentum. This is the tipping point, and now we have a movement. As more people jump in, it's no longer risky. If they were on the fence before, there's no reason not to join in now. They won't stand out, they won't be ridiculed, and they will be part of the in-crowd if they hurry. And over the next minute you'll see the rest who prefer to stay part of the crowd, because eventually they'd be ridiculed for not joining. And ladies and gentlemen, that is how a movement is made. So let's recap what we've learned. If you are a version of the shirtless dancing guy, all alone, remember the importance of nurturing your first few followers as equals, making everything clearly about the movement, not you. Be public, be easy to follow. But the biggest lesson here, did you catch it? Leadership is over-glorified. Yes, it started with the shirtless guy, and he'll get all the credit, but you saw what really happened. It was the first follower that transformed a lone nut into a leader. There's no movement without the first follower. See, we're told that we all need to be leaders, but that would be really ineffective. The best way to make a movement, if you really care, is to courageously follow and show others how to follow. When you find a lone nut doing something great, have the guts to be the first person to stand up and join in. Was that, was that worth it to watch that? <laughs> All right. Well, if you've got a guy like Paul, it's kind of crazy, and a staff like you have here at Challenge, that's out there doing crazy stuff and just kind of serving and giving like that, then move in. Move with it. God can start a movement on this campus, and it's going to take not just some leaders. It's going to take people, but people doing the basic stuff of Christianity, just loving the people around them, loving your neighbor as yourself, caring for people. Those of you who have, some of you will be sharing your faith and doing gospel appointments. Some of you will be serving behind the scenes. Some will be helping to set up and take down this place. They'll be doing all kinds of things that you're going to do, but being a part of this movement. So let's, let's, just, let's just pray. Lord, I thank you that you uh, can turn victims into victors. That you, God, that you can t turn those who have been used and hurt into being very useful for your kingdom. God, you can give us a new heart, a heart that loves, a heart that's willing to serve, a heart that's not just all about us, but it's about you, it's about others, it's about making a difference in this world. And I pray that each person here would, would find their role, to find their gifts and develop them and use them to help your kingdom move forward, to help people be helped and loved. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. I love, one of the things that he sparked in my mind as he was speaking is this idea of one of the best things about being a Christian is, yes, I love that I'm forgiven. I love to have a personal relationship with God. But I also, like, love being used by God. And there's a certain level of joy that you experience when you live on the edge of faith of serving and loving people and doing ministry 
that you won't experience unless you really step out in faith and even risk and sacrifice a little bit. And the Christian life is amazing because it's, again, it's not just about what's happening to you or in you or for you, but God wants to, to work through you. He wants to use you. And that's like, when I think about the joy in my life, that's some of the greatest joy in my life is the people that God has impacted through my life. And just, it's so, it's, it's, it's amazing. So I want every one of you to experience that. And if you're not a follower of Christ, like that's what I want to invite you into with us is like, come help us change the world. Like we're here to show and to share God's love with people all over the world. And so I'd love to talk more about that with you. If you're, if you have questions about following Jesus, um, and thinking about what your next step is in that. So one thing we do every week is we, we write down our top takeaways and our next steps. So I want to just encourage you think about, there was a lot of great things that was said tonight and I want you to think about specifically for you, what was something that stood out to you? What is something you feel like you should be doing as a result of what you heard tonight? And then also let us know how you, we can be praying for you. We pray over every one of these every week. And um, so just go ahead and spend some time reflecting and thinking about what is God saying to you as a result of what you heard. And then we're going to put them in the buckets uh, as they're passed by. And then we're, after the buckets are passed, we're going to stand up and worship, uh, do some more singing. Thanks.